Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the uh, um, technical goodies. Radio hotler. Hot, 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 hot. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Episode 191, the big 200 is looming. Of course, yet another light-hearted look at motorsport, both local and international, cool and emerging tech, gadgets, we love them, barbecues, not so much, and the big question, what will life be like after Steve Jobs? Hardy, welcome. Folks, great of you to um, have me on the show this week, um... You're looking um, absolutely splendid as usual in your well, a slightly almost post-Vietnam era look, but uh, sans medals. Well, more 70s. Yeah, Blaze back, 1974. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got a bit of the, uh, the flowing locks going here, but I've dispensed with the goatee, so uh, back to my youthful, good-looking self. Well, now... now what was the Eddie Jordan situation? What was that all about? Which particular Eddie Jordan situation? The, the, the goatee. Oh, my look. Well, it could have been variously Richard Branson or Damon Hill. I can or see... Cat, or Cat Weasel. Uh, uh, <laughs> Cat Weasel. It was suggested. <laughs> Perhaps, uh, I can see the method in the madness here, in that... What you're really trying to do is drive Auto Action magazine and other publications to the digital environment so they can keep up with you because it's just not possible to keep up with the trendoid face of the folks in print now that it's all road delivered. Well, there's new media and with that comes new folks. What's all that new media stuff or about? face of folks, anyway. <laughs> anyway. I have long hair at the moment, John, because I can. Well, I think it's great. Many people, many men of our vintage cannot say that. <laughs> so we are able to. Our vintage, settle down, you're a little bit on me. And a nice vintage. Who celebrated their 50th birthday just recently? And moi. Yes, who, you. And who didn't turn up? Speaking of birthdays... <laughs> Very bad party today. Oh. What did you forget? Mm, yes, and in fact, viewers, we have to tell you that there, it's one of those shows where there's actually no JP involved because he cracked the, he cracked the shits big time because I'd forgotten his birthday. And uh, I said, look, mate, he would have come up on Facebook or Twitter or something like that, and he went, oh, that's great. So, I need a mate. Like all my mates have got to be have me on Facebook. Now. Is that it? You've got to be on a social network for your friends to remember you. Well, you can go and get fucked. And he, he went off. And he what? He snapped. Yeah, he did not say that. He snapped. He snapped and he was taken off for dinner by his missus. And I said, where are you going? He said, I don't know. She's, she's in charge of all that. I'm not allowed to ask. And I said, have a nice Merlot then, which I know well, he doesn't like. He was very upset when I rang to wish him happy birthday, and he was very appreciative that I had remembered. <laughs> Prompt. 
points. So, no GP and viewers, you're stuck with Hardy and Fogue. So, we'll stumble along without GP's wise counsel. I don't think that's so, necessarily... What, what's on your agenda, Hardy? Well, mate, I don't think it's not... not, not, not I don't think that is not necessarily a bad thing. That we have a little bit of a, a one-on-one interstate uh, tater-tate. Now we uh, we I just was chatting with Alan Simonson and Monaco, and he has his parents down there, and uh, he's taking them out for for breakfast. So he he um, he, he couldn't he, he couldn't uh, make it. I was rather he was actually leaving Nice Nice Airport, so um, that's disappointing. But I do have his his younger brother Benny, who's Probably the more enjoyable of the Simonsons, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, he, he's he's a bit of a specialist at wearing tyres out on only one side of a race car. Should you have bothered to see his um, efforts at the uh, Abarth, uh, the GB Great Britain Abarth Championship, and I think you've seen the video, folks. Yeah. Well, there you go. I have. You usually have more. Spectacular. Good little gadget. So, Benny, is he the, was he the bloke who was in Abba? That's it. Yeah. All right, you. Well, I wanted to start about uh, the many faces of Finland. And I uh, think, where will he pop up next? I mean, is he he's done wrecking cars and WRC? Didn't seem to want to do a truck run, and I don't know what happened there. And you know, he had a little bit of a nationwide spurt, and he's he's turned up at uh, at Motorland Aragon, uh, uh, south of France, uh, to have a bit of a drive of the new or the Peugeot or Peugeot, as you might call it, nine oh eight. So it looks like he's going to do some some sports car sports car driving, thirty five laps. Didn't make an idiot of himself. Um, mate, I think it would be great to see him in there, but... Um, you... you speak, of course, of Kimi Raikkonen. I speak of the Former Kimi. world champion, wrecker of rally cars extraordinaire, although he won't get a chance up at uh, Coffs Harbour in Rally Australia. Quite so. A couple of weeks because he's pulled the plug on that. Uh, the Coffs Coast, as they are calling it. Oh, rally, sorry. Because <laughs> there's not actually a lot of stuff going on in Coffs Harbour per se, other than a special stage around the bay in the evening, which is uh, ninety five dollars for you know sitting on yeah. a on a eucalyptus branch, and um, you know the prices go up from there. Not quite Bernie style, but oh, it's uh, not not running around the Coffs Harbour through the streets. Yeah, there's there's something around the bay in the streets, but it's a special stage. Yeah. They're going into the forest in that area. The old stamping ground of the once great uh, Southern Cross Rally back in the 70s and uh, early mid-80s. It was a great event. I used to tramp around in the bush, inland of Port Macquarie and all that area back in the day. Well, then you'd know the Glenray Hotel very well, the Golden Dog. Um, probably. Don't remember it, but that's as good an indication that I was there, yes. <laughs> Anyway, we're all good. Yeah, so Kimmy, Kimmy, he's um, thrashing around. He doesn't know what he wants to do. Will he keep continuing the World Rally Championship? Um, will he can pursue NASCAR? Will he go back to Formula One, maybe? Or now it looks like um, he 
he's been lined up to do at least Le Mans with the Peugeot team, and um, yeah, he'd be good at that. I mean, he's a handy driver, dullest personality ever to sit in a press conference in Formula One, which is a tremendous irony given it that he's an absolute hell raiser, you know, away from the track, but um, you know, world champion, hell of a driver, just lost interest. So, uh, if you can get it fired up again, he'll be a guest driver at Le Mans, probably some other Le Mans series, or, yeah, Le Mans, um, what is it, the International Le Mans Championship or the World Championship, what it is, he'll do some extra events, and uh, I'm sure he'll do at least as well as uh, Jacques Villeneuve did. Look, uh, folks, and I'm, and I'm being serious, has okay. it, it ever, ever, ever occurred to you that perhaps Kimmy's actually quite shy when he gets around large groups of people that he doesn't know, like press conferences. No, he's, he's just dull. But he after, makes Mika Hakkinen look exciting. But after he's a not, few vodkas, he seems like he arcs up. Yeah, no, that's what I said. It's the irony, because, you know, away from the track, he was an absolute hellraiser. One of the, you know, he's the, the James Hunt of the near era. He could have been so good for the sport if he just expressed that personality um, publicly um, you know he's quite an exciting driver when he can be bothered but the last couple of seasons um, clearly he couldn't be bothered uh, you know it's quite bizarre really but you know he's certainly his own man um, as I say if he would only have shown that personality that's uh, behind there because he's done some crazy things over the years but is he the right kind of personality to come into sports car racing you know, on the basis that just all sports car races, you know, they, they sort of mill around together and, you know, the atmosphere of Le Mans or Spa and Monza and things like that. Where it was just, you know, they're accessible and perhaps like Kimmy's, I don't know, has he learned any of that out of WRC? We don't know. Maybe. No, he's not very accessible there either. No, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, a lot of the, well. But is Jacques, is Jacques Villeneuve accessible? Car races are what you call electric personalities. You know, they're all good blokes. But they're a bit of a backslapping sort of guys that they'll, you know, they'll go and congratulate each other afterwards. They'll be ending up having dinner at another restaurant, you know, it's one team to another and they'll have a laugh. You won't get that in F1 and I can't see that happening with Kimmy. No, no, I don't think it will. But he's fast. He's fast. Very, very fast. But so was so Jacques Villeneuve, but um, um, also a bit of a, uh, a prickly character. Well, or difficult. At least Jacques had, a per- had showed his personality. Yeah. Yeah, he's difficult. I mean, they're both very difficult to deal with. They're both very headstrong. So um, it's an interesting development for Kimi. You know, I, they're such a waste of talent that, you know, Corden should still be in Formula One. Hmm. Well, let's see what happens. Now, folks... Uh, uh, only time will tell. That's right. A great saying from the folks. Hang on, just have a look in my cliché bag here and see what else I can pull out. Yeah, well, be better than a poke in the eye with a burnt stick, that's for sure. Folks, uh, from the beginning of time as we know it, uh, until now, the fans have been thwarted in their efforts to see a Fujitsu race, a Konica a Konica Minolta, a development series race shown live. But the fans, they spoke, they made noise, and it was heard from the powers above. And it was made so last weekend 
at Queensland Raceway that the Fujitsu Championship or Series and that's a bit of a discussion what's the difference between a championship and a series um, a series that never finishes it's like, like, like MasterChef was shown live did it do justice I don't think so I thought it made it look look a little bit look, look a, a little bit amateurish because the ability to package things up is actually quite good and on the basis that there's more likely to be carnage in their championship and a greater differentiation between the top and the bottom perhaps live TV for Fujitsu is not the right thing <laughs> mind you one needs to check their local guides to determine which channel it's on and where you are yeah um, you're right in what you're saying most racing looks much better when it's packaged up and presented in you know in highlights the greatest example of that going back almost 20 years now was the British Touring Car Championship at its absolute peak in the you know early mid to late 90s and it used to get cut up into a one-hour highlights package and, you know, just raided its head off in Britain. I remember, you know, it used to get, well, you know, a couple of million viewers on BBC Grandstand, which was their weekend sports show. And, um, you know, it, it was just all action when you, you know, it was a very, there was a lot of action in the series back then anyway, but when you squashed it into a one-hour highlights package, it just looked outrageous. It was like World War Three going on every weekend. And I think the Fujitsu series and a lot of others benefit from the action being compressed and making it look all go, go, go. But, of course, the series and the competitors want to be on live TV, TV in front of the, you know, the biggest audience possible. The only problem was, correct me if I'm wrong, though, it went out on 7 mate, didn't it? You know, you've mentioned before the yeah, 7 mate. Did it go? You were a viewer, on the, a listener. No. <laughs> it would be... It was one day and then wasn't the next day because on um, on um, uh, on the Sunday there was an AFL clash and I was on the East Coast in New South Wales oh, so sorry. I did go out on 7 mate but I mean do we let well, me say the choice. secondary channel on the basis that analogue TV sets are pretty much non-existent anymore I mean Shouldn't we just think that they're they're not an also ran channel, are they? Audience wise, they still are until people get used to you know they're being conditioned, you know, even young generations to largely just you know seven, nine, ten at a pinch two. It's still a big shift to get people to think about moving across to the secondary channels, and that and that's why. Their audiences are lower, and their you know their percentage share is you know is um, very small, single digit, low single digit. So it'll grow, yeah, when people get used to it. But you know, if you think about it, we've had what sixty years now network television, and everyone is conditioned to those four main channels, and still, that's where the big audiences remain. Still, so, folks, I think it was it, a it, it's a big move by VH Supercars to be putting more of these telecasts seven mate I, I, you know I think it's um, it's uh, the beginning of a slide down the slippery slope but but doesn't it come back a, l a little bit to a rather and I've mentioned it on a previous show that you you were not available to talk on due to uh, uh, a relative uh, 
relatives being in the country, and it's nice to, to hear that you've had your had your son out here. That's good on you, yeah, folks. Um, and uh, and you did, and you did actually um, like let him look like he was going to win the go kart race up until the very last corner, where then you went pounced to to, to you know to the, by the minimalist margin to to you know ram it home the who's dad. But anyway, like, that that's. I Father would never do such a thing. I, I'm digressing. I was saying, <laughs> but 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 uh, Tony Cochran was. I uh, had an interview recently with Daryl Beatty, and I thought it was a really good discussion about the fact that okay, yeah, righto, our viewers, uh, uh, you can imagine uh, if you're a listener at this point, uh, the, what the the images you would be seeing. But nonetheless, back to being a viewer. <laughs> But he, but, but the point was, <laughs> maybe how he rode a motorbike. But um, it was that the Kogge did actually say, like the danger of doing truly live TV, like live live TV, is that you you are going to get yourself in a pickle if you go to anywhere other than like Bathurst, where people are like just prepared to take it in because of the ambience and it's just it's traditional. Oh yeah, okay. So uh, you go Barbagallo, you do live TV at Barbagallo, and you know you're going to get thirty replays. Of um, of Steve Owen shutting in the back of Carl Reindler from diff- forty five different TV angles while they clean the track up for the next hour, but it, there there is a merit in that. Um, still, I thought like the the whole thing, you know, for you're first talking time, about why V8 supercars don't actually go out live live. They're actually and hence that, delayed. And, and he- if there's and, some major delay, they can cut that out and still keep within the well. The, well, Tony made. Tony and they only have that problem, Hardy, because they're on the same network as the AFL, and they have to, you know, exceed to the whims of the AFL broadcast. And that's only going to get worse if, in the new V8 TV deal coming up for 2013 onwards, um, if they stay with Seven, how's it going to work? Because Seven, with the new AFL deal from next year, is committed to showing four games a weekend. Okay, so, so two. where the pro- where the problem lies therein is in twofold. One is that if you keep changing between main station to the secondary station, people don't know where the hell it is. Like pick one, and if you go, all right, then run it on the secondary only, or worse, you actually get. And we have to weed these people out. They have to be removed. That people that actually like AFL as well as V8 because that's where the conundrum. But they're similar demographics, similar audiences, unfortunately, or fortunately. But but what do you notice? Not a crossover. The, but the, there's a key difference between an AFL person and a motor racing person. They have well, a, a motor racing person have sleeves. They have sleeves. You know, not oh, the, you know, the, the, and they they're, yeah. they're not truck drivers. But the people who watch AFL and the people who watch VAs, there's a very large crossover. Which could be made to work. There's just you know seven dozen cross promote enough. That's another question altogether. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because Tony Cochran swore to me that if seven was stuck with four AFL games a week, V8s wouldn't be on seven. Well, I haven't heard a peep since then because you know way back then it was still thought that. Seven would offload two games to ten. Well, they've said barely on, barely on that. We're going our own way, so presumably they'll be in the running to win back VAT 
who knows? Could end up on Fox. Then but, we have an out, I like it's going on in Great Britain. Anyway, being shared by Sky Sports, you know, pay TV and the BBC, it'll all be on Sky Sports, which you'll have to pay apparently. Um, it's some hundreds of pounds to be able to subscribe to Sky and get Formula One from next year. Yeah. And only 10 of the races will be shown live on the BBC. You know, Fox Sports here would be where the It'd be, and again, ironically, it'll probably be on one of the secondary Fox Sports channels because Fox Sports is going full on, you know, every AFL game live as of next year. So, you know, there's the money there, but not the audience. So it's, it's the, the big conundrum facing a lot of sports, but particularly motor racing moving forward is, you know, do you stick with free to air, which in the foreseeable future has still got the mass audience, or do you go for the money? Formula One's gone for the money in the, case of UK, V8s, they've got to work out what they want to do and I think you know, they've got to stay on free to air on the, on the main channel, in the main if they can, otherwise, well, they'll just be like the A-League, A-League soccer which is, you know, only just been thrown a lifeline by uh, securing Harry Kuehl finally after a tortuous negotiation period and we've just heard he's Kiel's going to victory in Melbourne and uh, um, Brett Emerton, um, another Premier League player, or a Premier League player, because Kiel wasn't in the Premier League, is going to join Sydney FC. So that's thrown a lifeline of soccer, which otherwise is really struggling. And that, you know, they would kill for the freeware broadcast deal that V8s have. Uh, anyway, viewers, uh, as before we continue uh, on with the, the motor racing um a portion of the show and discuss the we'll the, 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 uh, the ups and downs of Queensland Raceway and stuff. I'd just like to as, as, uh, just reiterate the, the plug from Fogs that um, if you're interested to listening to Fogs' new about to be launched Soccer Hour podcast um, look we, we'll provide the information to you and you know you can all three listeners can join in but before we go and discuss uh, the the woeful ups and downs of the players at Queensland Raceway. Um, it's important it's that don't forget Wardy. Spectacular. Yeah, yeah, no, no. We'll get to Wardy later. But what are you having a drink tonight? A cheeky red. But but what is it, folks? Uh, McWilliams Hanwood Cabernet Sauvignon, two thousand and nine. Yes, is it a is remarkably it, good value? Over ten dollars? No. Then it's remarkably good value. Eight ninety nine. Good drop. Guess you say? Uh, a little Mike Press. Cap Sev two at Lake Hill. Yes. Mike Press. What's Mike Press? Oh. Who is Mike Press? Well, when well, we come over next time, I'm going to get a bit of feedback here. What's going on? Shouldn't he be Mike Media? <laughs> Your best mate, Mike Media. It's, it's actually quite nice, mate. Um, well, just talk amongst yourself. Queensland Raceway. Um, how can... Well, how can? How can some major teams, let's specifically look at FPR, be so in the toilet? Um, James Courtney... Yeah in the toilet as he has been pretty much all year, very unlucky and 
and, and, and Tanda was struggling there as well. Yet the teams that tested there, clearly there's an advantage. Um, I suppose it's almost a case of, well, we don't really have a team. Where do, Winton's just not a good enough track for people to have as their test track. It's almost like you need to nominate two tracks, don't you, per state if you're going to test, because we only got two states which you've got any cars in it. Mm. I mean, because you can't do any flowing racing at Winton, so you need to go to, you need to, go to, um, to Phillip Island to achieve you know, the, the, the high-speed corners that you're going to get at QR. And what the QR need? They need maybe something like Morgan Park. Well, home ground advantage this time around certainly helped, although the Queensland teams were pretty strong at Winton as opposed to the Victorian-based teams. And in the past, you know, some of the Victorian-based teams, you know, have um, pants the uh, Queensland-based teams up there. But this time around, you know, the locals were dominant. Locals being our know, Craig Lowndes was, you know, in possibly the hottest form of his career in the last 10 years, you know. A oh, very, very dominant performance. All three races. Um, you know, Wind Cup should have been up there, up there, but wasn't quite on it. And then there was that amazing error in the final race where the team left the covers over the inlet trumpets. You know, schoolboy error, but it does happen, but you don't expect it from them. And, you know, well, two-thirds of SBO are strong anyway. Jim Slade in the third car. Could you just pause, make me pause for one moment? Two seconds. And Shane Van Gisbergen. Slade was particularly impressive, you know, on the podium. All three races, a real breakthrough, but uh, the Giz was hanging around there. So they were very strong. And as you pointed out, I mean, FPR was just, again, abysmal. It was a de complete debacle. Um, they've, they've just lost it, you know, particularly on the soft tyres. They've just, they don't know what they're doing or where they're going. HRT were again, Pretty abysmal. Um, you know, Tanda was no, they were abysmal. So they desperately need to. I mean, Tanda was Tanda was fighting with Moffat. Moffat looked like he had it all. I mean, yeah, oh, sorry, go. No, 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 you're right. I mean, just but, uh, by James Moffat, he almost got on the podium. And we're not so saying Mo at HFT, they've got so much work to do, and they really need this new guys coming in as the as the big boss, Steve Hallam, who is. Uh, ex-Lotus and McLaren Formula One and now is the technical engineering director of Michael Waltrip Racing in NASCAR. Um, he's the big name we've been expecting to be announced and it was. And, uh, you know, on the surface, a good appointment, but boy, they need him in a hurry and uh, he's not getting here till early next year. So, you know, the two, the two biggest, well, the two big factory teams in V8s, Holden Racing Team, and Ford Performance Racing are just, well, to say they're in the doldrums, to put it mildly, and they really need to be right up there contending for wins in the championship, you know, for the sport to be healthy. You know, at the moment, all things being equal, it's just, you know, a triple M, uh, triple M, <laughs> triple A benefit, you know, Team Vodafone, you know, be it Lowndes, who's hot, or Wind Cup, who's, you know, still, you know, the most dominant driver, week to week, you know, and the rest are nowhere. And, um, you know, you've got to wonder when it's, you know, Stone Brothers Racing who's sort of, you know, flying the flag for the rest of them. 
But what do you make of it, Fogs, in, in that the, 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 the fluctuation of consistency, well, maybe that's the wrong way of saying it, is that it, there's less deviation in failure from Triple Eight than there is in the other teams. I just, I'm, I am just aghast at how they can go from here to zero, from one to the other, and then the other teams, they, they pretty much just sort of float around, and they, and they pretty much they don't get any coverage either. But I mean, how it can go so wrong for some teams? And yeah, hey, that's you know, that's, that's just a racing thing there with, with um, with the trumpets oh, on Triple, Jamie's Triple, car. Triple H just have. They analyse their data right, don't they? They have, well, they've got everything, they've got all their boxes ticked, they've got the right people in the right places, the right systems and processes and disciplines. They have, you know, a strong autocratic leader, even though Roland Dane, their team owner, has stepped back from the day-to-day -day running the team, which he's passed over to Adrian Burgess. You know, he's still a strong presence. There's, you know, the people in that team are decisive in decisions and in their roles, and Adrian Burgess, you know, is leading the team very strongly as he did when he was at Dick Johnson Racing up until the end of last year. They've got the resources too, you know, they're the, they're the richest team, you know, more money and better resources even than Holden Racing Team and even Ford Performance Racing. Um, but it's mainly a people thing, you know, just all the right people in the right places doing the right things and that's why Triple Eight is consistently there or thereabouts every race meeting. Whereas the others either come or go, or in the case of HRT and FPR, they just, you know, they barely arrive. You know, Tander pulls one out of the box every so often just because he just mungles the car around and makes it do something that it shouldn't do, and certainly make it do something that James Courtney can't do. No lack of talent on James Courtney's part. You know, one of the most naturally gifted drivers in the field. But, you know, well, I put this to his manager, Alan Gow, who has, you know, been out for the last couple of weeks. I said, you know, James is a bit of a downhill skier, isn't he? You know, meaning that when everything's going right, he, he's brilliant. But when it's a struggle, you know, um, you know, he makes it even more difficult, you know, because Alan Gow, who's the, the boss of everything motorsport-wise in Britain, as well as being James' manager, he didn't agree. But, I, you know, I, I think history shows that, you know, James is gifted as, as he is. Um, you know, when things are not going well, um, he gets very impatient and very frustrated and, you know, doesn't help the cause. You know, Greg Murphy's very similar. So lots of problems out of Clayton, lots of problems out of Broadmeadows. Um, up in Banyo and Brisbane, not so many problems except the stupidity that went on, on in, before Sunday's race, the crippled wind cup. But, you know, I mean, it's it's a bit harsh, isn't it? To call it stupidity. I mean, like it's it's just that it was just an error. You know, it was just an error that the team made, and they didn't have made it before. And then he just he'd add it all up, and Jamie being Pretty frustrated. Crazy. Yeah, 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 for sure. But but oddly, it happened to Jensen Button earlier this year. Hey, but you know, like the, team where they... I find it funny that they happens at the home circuit. You know, they, they, they've been there more times than anything else. And maybe maybe that's the trick, you know, they're a little bit complacent. And look, we'll, no, we'll, we'll talk a little bit, because it was actually very interesting. Racing itself wasn't that interesting, but the, the fuck-ups were. Um, and um, I, I wasn't not quite sure what to make of the, um, 
the uh, the dust up right there towards the end, at the very last lap of um, of uh, Ingle and and, and Courtney um, uh, getting into each other down the straight, and yet then there was the sort of the little bit of a love makeup later and a bit for the cameras, but it looked like actually <laughs> Ingle got the better of him, just picked him up and chucked him. What are you? Yeah, you are oh, really Russell Ingle? Would he do such a thing? <laughs> Rough driving, no. Well, there's also a dust up right at the end between Wind Cup and Rick Kelly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which ended up with Wind Cup spearing off at the in the turn off turn one, you know, after the flag, you know, because he had a um, bashing match with with Rick Kelly sort of towards the end of the last lap. So um, it was all on for young and old. It was an interesting experiment having the three race format or back kind of to the old days, you know, two short races with only a 15 minute turnaround on Saturday and then the normal 200k, but the two short races didn't work. Nice idea, but the whole sport now, physically, technically and mentally is geared to races that have, you know, stops for tyres and fuel and when you just, you know, let them go, a sprint from go to woe, like proper racing should be, um, it doesn't really work. Well, yeah, there was definitely a lot of funny stuff going on up there, mate. Um, what else did you see? I think there could have been a bit of fun in the um, support categories who've been recently allowed back. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure they'll be invited back again. Hey, have a go at this. Folks, look at that. How, look at that. That That is crispy crackling. Mm. Could be available at Zakanovic Towers, this... this, this um, Bathurst, but anyway, that... the annual road trip to Bathurst. Nope, crackling for you, Phil Ward. <laughs> anyway, they they got they're on live TV. They're all set to go. They do the warm up. Phil Ward is you know back in '99 spot or something. Anyway, drives to the front of the grid, parks out the front gets out, remonstrates with the officials. Anyway, the bottom line was he was trying to incite a boycott of the race because he thought the conditions were too dangerous because it, you know, there'd been some rain and he's uh, not rain. There was oil on turn one into turn two from you know, previous events, which was fine. Anyway, big to do. <laughs> it was so funny at one stage, a group of the, you know, about the final third of the grid they seemed to think, oh, we'll go. So they, they had a little sort of false start and they all surged forward and then, oh, <laughs> no, nothing happening. And then Wardy's had his, you know, rah, rah, rah with the official, uh, the, you know, lead rated race official. He's got back in his car on the dirt, driven to the back of the grid and he's trying to entice them all to, you know, turn around and, and, and walk off the grid as it were, were. Some of them started following him. It was so funny. And then, in the end, oh, no, no. And so they all drove back onto their grid positions and order was restored and the race got underway. And remarkably, you know, despite the dire predictions of Phil Ward, uh, who was, by the way, to the category manager, you know, the, the boss of Aussie Racing Cup. Was, um, was the operative word. Cars didn't go flying off the track every which way. And so it was a very bad look. Yeah, funny as but a very bad look for the category on TV. Anyway, you can imagine there's all sorts of ramifications. Um, Ford was fine a substantial sum on the spot, and he now 
face charges of actions prejudicial to the sport. So there'll be a big tent hearing about that. Um, he stepped down as category manager, but I believe his two sons are still running the show. So <laughs> yeah, that, that, there's no yeah. nepotism there. Never who? Um, <laughs> so um, you know, quite, mind you, this is very unusual that Phil Ward should be in strife with you know race, race officials. I still remember. <laughs> didn't you get a didn't he get a ban for a while a few years back for some incident at um, Orham Park, I think it was. Anyway. It, it, remember, it, folks, it, it wasn't his fault that he rolled the Mercedes 190 AMG at McPhillum. It was an official's fault. I would imagine so, yes. I mean, he's a character, hmm. but boy. And, and, and you've got to give him... You've got to give never heard of taking the line of least resistance, so but, but credit this is going to be held, but I don't think it'll be seeing the Aussie racing card. Back, back on live TV again. Well, that's a pity because credit where credit's due and with to Phil Ward, you know. Yeah, he's a, he's a cranky individual. But, I mean, if it hadn't been for him, you, you know, you wouldn't have had this one-make series, which has been an absolutely brilliant category. And, you know, I would have thought, well, Phil, what's your problem? The only way these cars can go racing is they get parts from you. So if they all smash themselves together, you're just a richer man than you were last week. Yeah, he's... Um He's oh, cranky. That's what you, you summed it up. He's a cranky individual. Uh, but no, it's a great little class. I mean, those cars are busy as. I mean, boy. He should, he should co drive with less small. Sure. <laughs> Short wheelbase, you know, narrow track, buzzing engine. Um, they seem like a lot of fun and they're very difficult to drive, but um, that's certainly got attention for all the wrong reasons. And the track, you know, boy. <laughs> Speaking of them, you know, Ipswich and surrounding areas were flooded, you know, earlier this, early this year in the, in the um, southeast Queensland floods. Um, looking around, it seems to have come out of remarkably well. There's, there's no um, obvious signs of it, you know, in downtown Ipswich, but Queensland Raceway was, you know, underwater. And the track, which was due to be resurfaced and badly needed repair, um, it's like a washboard now. It is so bumpy. And in the little Aussie racing cars, you know, they're, they're just like, I don't know how the guys can see, you know, down towards the end of the main straight, with, they're just, you know, jumping up and down like, you know, they're on pogo sticks. And, you know, even the V8 drivers were complaining about it. Now, I, I happen to think bumps on a racetrack are a good thing. They add character and they make it difficult. But these days, of course, you know, the precious young things, they've got to drive on beer table, table smooth tracks so they're not very impressed but Queensland Raceway is due to be um, resurfaced and, towards the end of the year and I think folks folks you just hit on something I think that sets the rest of the teams that did supercar racing up there apart you know, yeah. rather that are you right the, <laughs> what are you doing down under there those that don't test there those that don't test there, um, how would they? How would they ever have access to a test track? What is that? Is that a talking? What is that? A talking Lamington? Okay. No, it's a little. Um, when you fly Virgin Premium Economy, among all the goodies they give you, is a little. Well, we'll get we'll get back to the, we'll uh, get back to you. Phones. 
We'll get back I to your laptop. I, I can put my iPhone earphones in that. It's very handy. And it's also a good little little talky thing, isn't it? Hello. Yeah, okay. Hello, honey. How are you? <laughs> yeah. You, you can yeah. use it on your new soccer show. Yeah. Um, folks, focus, focus, focusing with folks. Focus. Focus with folks. Uh, seriously, like, don't you think that all the other teams that didn't have QR as a test track went, my God, we didn't know how to manage damper settings for this sort of, like, like the, the, the bumps that were there. And so, therefore, the rest of them, that's why they were doing so well. They were going, uh-oh, okay, so they've worked out and they've worked their, worked their rebound and compression settings perfectly to be able to, you know... They know how fast they're going to be going down into T1 and they know where those bumps are and they know the way they want the shocks to work. Whereas the other teams are going to come up here being set up to things that, to, for a track where undoubtedly, as soon as they go out, the bumps are going to make them deflect. If you say so. Um, but doesn't it make... Seriously, doesn't it make sense? My, tec my technical department is currently um, unmanned, so can you... Wait till they come back and direct all questions about oily bits to them, please. Oily bits? Oily bits. <laughs> Which, well, you know... As I said earlier, you're right. That, you know, hometown advantage was very strong this time around. Anyway, new game now. We're heading to the season of endurance. Phillip Island coming up next month. And then the big one, Bathurst. And you'd have to say this is looking good for Craig Lowndes, you know. Unlike most, you know, well, for the past decade, at least, um, you know, he's always had a very slow start and come on gangbusters at the end of the year and just, you know, never quite got there championship-wise, you know, won a ton of battles. But this year, he started strong. He's been very consistent and hadn't actually won a race until these three at Queensland Raceway. But he kept up there on the points and he's closing in on Jamie Wincup's points lead as he goes into his strongest events. You know, and once again, he and Mark Scaife will be very strong combinations at, at both events, which they won last year. So Wincup's got it all to do. You know, he's teaming up with Andrew Thompson in the Enduros, and uh, sorry, I've got, to, I, I've got to say that um, Lounsey and Scaifey, you know, versus Wincup and... Uh, Young Tomo, no contest, all things being equal. So I think it's going to be a great fight down the wire again, but between Craig and and, uh, and Jamie, and uh, for Craig to pull it off at this stage of his career would be sensational. Well, really good for the sport too. I don't know much whether, I don't really know whether there'll be a lot of pulling off um, at, 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 on that side of the team, um, but it was interesting to notice that AA had, uh, had pointed out that, that that uh, Jamie and, and uh, Andrew Thompson were very good friends, so perhaps they, they might pull it off. There's a chance. I mean, you know, they could be back the front and uh, the, you know, the, there'll be the sacrificial lamb and the B car wins. Is it a B car? Oh, I don't think so, no. No, but they'll, you be, a strong, you, they'll, you, be, a strong, they'll you, be a strong pairing. That's right. No. They'll work really well together, and you could. But once you can never but, be sure about. 
know, other than yeah. it'll come down to the last 10 lap sprint that yeah. someone so, someone okay. will, someone will pull something off somewhere they're very strong but yeah. we shall see and you know hopefully in fact you know other teams will contend and you know SPR will get up, up off the floor and Frosty and Richo will do some business you know they, they desperately need it so I think it could be interesting but I, I just think Lounsey's in really great form and has been now for the last year or so if you look at it and uh, he's really going to make this uh, you know a tough fight for Jamie and uh, nothing's better than two teammates fighting it out. Absolutely, you know, folks. And how good they get on, it gets ugly. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, and you can see that Jamie's already mentally on the back foot from it. But, uh, you know, it's been a bumpy track up there. But yeah, I'm not sure whether it was actually any smoother over in Austin, Texas, where I think David Coulthard decided to take one of the Red Bull Formula One cars, obviously uh, one, of the, one of the relics or one of the ones that had probably been you know backflipped at Barcelona and um and, oh, and had it took it for a nice thing up the dirt strip I know that was quite amazing but what was even more about well you know typical red I liked how they had the tent <laughs> in yeah. the dirt they've, they've flown the you know the the demo the show car the running show car <laughs> over the states um it's quite an old chassis um it's got a Cosworth engine in it so it probably goes back to like 2007 Um, first they took it to Willow Springs in California to let Tom Cruise have a go and after some tuition from David Coulthard apparently Tom wasn't too bad but we know he can drive you know he's done his own driving in some of the movies and he was um, for a long while the quickest star in a reasonably priced car on Top Gear um, so they've done that. Then they've taken the car and Coulthard over to the Circuit of the Americas, which but, is... So, folks, they, they have Cosworth engines in them, do they? They have Cosworth that, engines. Yeah, Cosworth. So they're not... They're just a Formula 1 chassis. No, no, it's the, the old Cosworth... The Cosworth engine that, that um, Red Bull Racing were using in, you know, in their early years after they, you know, transformed from Jaguar into Red Bull. Um, the first two or three seasons they were using Cosworth. Oh, I thought it was Sebastian's personal race car. No, no, no. It's the one that <laughs> any time you see around the world, like... Um, but isn't that the impression that the media give you? I mean, it looks the same. I mean, you know, layman can't tell the difference between a, you know... Did you do like an a, like a retina scan on the photo to determine it was actually like uh, Tom Cruise in the car, or maybe it was uh, it was uh, his master, the Scientology boss? I just think it was a pretty good indication when they were padding up the seats with a couple of telephone books. So that, <laughs> you know, Tom could actually see over the dash. But the funniest thing, if you watch the video that Red Bull have done of DC in this Formula One car driving around the the dirt outline, if you like, of the Circuit of the Americas, haven't laid the tarmac, and it's going as slow as because all it's doing is wheel spinning. You cannot get any traction whatsoever, and even in a couple of slow corners, you know, DC has to like fling it in there full rally style because it's just it's got all the wheel spin in the world but no speed, but. I mean, yeah, great promotion for that track, but I mean, 
it's interesting. Luckily, I think the original <laughs> calendar for next year had the US Grand Prix in Texas, Austin, Texas being in June, which would have been hot as. More to the point, I'm not sure the track would have been fully ready by then. They're now, it looks like that race will go ahead in November next year, and I think they'll have a much better chance of, of getting everything together. So do you think, it'll be interesting to see how that race goes. Do you think Kimi would have been any quicker around the dirt circuit? Any Citroen rally car he would have, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, in the, in the Formula 1 car, oh, I suppose. You know, a little more dirt track technique. What it was a good promotion. I mean, the whole thing, just to take a car all the way to the States, put Tom Cruise in it, then take it to this, you know, this new track that's still unbuilt and have a run around. I mean, that. You know, it's funny you say done. that, but we actually have, we had, we had a, we made a, a phone call earlier and we, we, um, we had a little chat to Kimmy about that and what his thoughts were. Um, and, and this is what he had to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but there's this racing, the car is not very uh, responsive, but, uh, uh, you know, there I see the potential to, uh, uh, you know, waste more of my time, other people's time, and uh, get a, uh, uh, perhaps an opportunity to uh, move forward and uh, long championship, and um, I look forward to it. Uh, so I'd like to thank you and the report. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. That's what he had to say. That's the most he's ever ever said. He never spoke. Well, he'd had a little bit of encouragement. I, 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 I called him and said, look, smarten up. You know, this Ice One stuff's not working. Well, he's the Ice Man. Okay, moving on, because I tell you, time's getting on, Fogwa, and you've already ruined it. Yeah, any tech anecdotes? Yeah, 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 but hang on. Uh, so, Marcus Ambrose has won another race, not not a sprint cup race, but he won the uh, nationwide race at uh, at Montreal. But I, th I do think it needs a mention, because he actually did it from the rear of the grid, because he didn't practice or qualify, and yet then managed to take out, <laughs> take out and take out the win from Shark, the Sharkster, who was on pole. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Like when you can, I can come from the arse of the grid and take out the pole sitter, who's also a road racer, on his home track. Now, that, that, what do you think of that? That was a big effort. Marcus is the best road racer in NASCAR. Now, some might say that's not saying much, but there's some pretty handy blokes in there, like, you know, Juan Pablo Montoya. Um, but any road circuit, road course they go to, Marcus is the man to beat. And, you know, he wasn't going to lose that one at Watkins Glen. He showed plenty of animal there. And, uh, you know, Brad Keselowski, who knew he could drive road courses. You know, you had uh, the wild child, of course, Kyle Busch giving it everything, but Mark, Marcus um, saw them all off and then came back and finally got justice at Montreal because, you know, he's nearly won it a couple of times there at least until he tripped over Robbie Gordon and the like. Um, no, he's hot. If, if NASCAR ever had a dedicated series on road courses and street circuits, you know, Marcus would be 
big time champion. He's got to make the breakthrough on ovals, and that's clearly difficult. Not only because he's still, still after all this time, six years adjusting to the intricacies of oval racing, which you know is, I assure you, not as easy as it looks. It looks like just turning left, turning left, turning left, but it's extremely intricate and difficult. And also, it's just not with the top teams. It's a bit like in V8 supercars where, you know, you've got fewer than a handful of teams that are capable of winning. In NASCAR, if you're not, you know, aligned with or part of the, you know, Ra you know the Roushers, the Gibbses, the Hendricks, um, you're not going to be consistently contending. And even, yeah, you know, even Roger Penske and Chip Ganassi, you know, with their pedigree in open wheel racing, you know, they still struggle and only pick up the occasional win in NASCAR. So Marcus is with Richard Petty Motorsport, you know, a big name, but it's a small team. And so it's always going to be a struggle. Now, his performances and, I have to say, his popularity over there, you know, he may get the opportunity um, through Ford support of getting in to a big team, someone like, you know, Jack Roush's operation um, next year or the year after. And that's what we'll, where we'll see... I was going to say what he's made of. We know what he's made of. He's tough as, you know, determined. But we'll see if he can really be a winning, you know, sprint cup oval driver. And, you know, he's running out of time. 20 so years ago, to... 20 years ago, folks, uh, before we move off the uh, final subject of motor racing, actually, less than 20 years ago, and in fact, last Friday, I had a very enjoyable lunch in Port Macquarie with uh, Andrew Medici. Talked about a lot of things, not to many stories to tell not um with my daughter as well just the three of us um many stories to tell perhaps in the next episode of radio hot lap um about what uh, andrew's up to in touring car masters and how he also he's off uh, today to um uh a to vanuatu uh to catch up with some friends there and, and who have a boat and i suggested he climbs Mount Yasser on Tanner Island, a volcano. He was very interested to know about that. And I said, well, I've done it, Andrew, and showed him some photos. He was, wow, they've got to do that. I said, well, it's, it's, the, it's the most active volcano in the world. You can get up here at roaring and it's spitting rock and fire. But, yeah, very, very interesting guy. Um, that'll be in the next episode. But I thought 20 years ago, um, isn't it uh, ironic that... Um, that uh, we go to Spa for the next Formula One race. And as uh, Bruno Senna replaces Nick Heidfeld um, in the Renault team, there was, there was um, uh, Ayrton uh, being given a chance to go quickly in the uh, uh, Jordan um, with uh, Andrea De Cedros, only as a I, result of... Uh, uh, I, uh, who did I say? Ayrton Senna. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, yeah, Michael Schumacher getting a sorry a, a replaced because of the 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 unfortunate behaviour of one Bush and Gachot with his capsicum spray having a crash with a taxi driver that was led off to jail. Anyway, and when he went to the track there, he hadn't not even been to the track, which is even more surprising because his hometown, uh, 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 Curtin, Kirk, I've been Kirkman, I've been there and on the way across the border from Spa. Yep, not very far away. I've, I've driven through the little town. You come home. Uh, he actually, um, <clears throat> he actually bothered to take his fold-up bike out of the out of the car and drive around the track for four times to to check it out. 
um, before anybody had, uh, while the team was having a, having a dinner, and with three laps, he was doing faster times than the Cheshire's. So uh, <laughs> perhaps, you know, I don't know why I made that reference. Well, I, I thought perhaps there's something weird there. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to infer uh, is Bruno Senna the real deal or or the or not the real deal, and it's very hard because you know we've seen and 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 again going back to Queensland. We should give some praise to James Moffat because he had he had a really good run there, um, and and that maybe that shows you know the the, the, the true stuff because I, James is a good guy. I, I think he I think he'd do well. But it's but there you go. Win uh, sorry um uh, Winnebon. We know you can see Winnebon can drive, but the car was nowhere. And we, you know if you sort of try to balance those two things together, you go eh what's going on? Perhaps. Perhaps Bruno Senna will be very good here this this weekend, and, and perhaps uh, uh, Grosjean will come in and 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 then take over from there and run for the rest of the year, considering his you know excellent GP two performances and you know getting a second chance there. I mean, what do you make of it? Wish I knew what the hell you were talking about, but I have a stab at it. Do you want me to go back again? No, I was there in, twenty years ago when Schumacher made his Formula 1 debut. It was very impressive. He qualified 7th in the Jordan. It all fell apart shortly after the start because he burned out the clutch and that was the end of it. But he'd made the impression and then an unholy war broke out between Eddie Jordan and Tom Walkinshaw, who in those days was the engineering boss of the Benetton team and Flavio Rifriatore. And they... You know, had a tug of war over Schumacher that by the that by the next race, the Italian Grand Prix Monza, Schumacher was suddenly a Benetton driver, and anyway, the rest is history. Having actually sent Eddie a handwritten fax saying, "I'm, I'm sorry, I can't take up the um, the opportunity of the drive. Thank you, Michael." Very polite young man, but it's interesting. Mark Schumacher got his break there, as you said, because Bertrand Gacho was otherwise. Detained. Well, serving time at, at the pleasure of Her, her Majesty. Well, uh, is it was it His uh, Majesty? It was. What do you call Her Majesty in that country? Yeah, her Majesty, when you're in prison, you're at Her Majesty's pleasure. No matter where. Her Majesty's where Majesty's does that leave Gaddafi? Not so much pleasure. <laughs> Not so much pleasure. <laughs> anyway, it was Mercedes who paid. Well, well, Peter Sauber's now claiming credit for it, but he would have just got the money from Mercedes anyway. It's basically Mercedes that bankrolled the £150,000, I think it was, that Eddie Jordan wanted for the drive. And Schumacher back then was the Mercedes-Benz junior driver, in their junior team, along with um, people like Carl Wendlinger. And um, in the sports cars, and they were being groomed for Formula One because Mercedes were in fact planning to go into Formula One with its own team and then with Sauber the next year uh, in 93 with a Mercedes-Benz team, never quite happened. Took them a little while to um, slide in through the door unofficially with Sauber. Um, so it was all about Mercedes getting Schumacher um, some mileage um, to get him prepared for their um, Formula One team took a little while longer and in fact, you know, 
it took until 2010 before Michael Schumacher actually drove a Mercedes-Benz in Formula One. But that's how it started. They bankrolled it. Uh, I think they may have actually pulled in the sponsorship from Tic Tac, uh, which I seem to remember turned up on the Jordan. Is that right? Green. The, 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 the peppermint? Yeah, a German company, ultimately. Uh, German brand and we're already involved with Mercedes-Benz. The corporates in Germany tend to stick together. Um, so that's how it all happened. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long time ago and, he, and he, Michael's fronting up again for the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. Um, hopefully with a little more success he's had so far in his, you know, one and a half seasons of comeback. And most people think he should, you know, just give it away. Uh, but he seems determined to stick it out and complete his three-year deal with Mercedes next year. So, yeah, he's still got the ability. Um, I, I still think that Formula One has passed him by and he'll never be the dominant force he was, but he's capable of winning a race. But when he gets shown up regularly by Keki Rosberg, if it were me... Keki Rosberg? Nico. Uh, ah, one all. Nico Rosberg. <laughs> Um, you know, that would be the the the, alarm, the warning bells going off to me. But yeah, it's it's interesting then that Bruno Senna is now going to get his chance in a proper car for the whole weekend. He did the Friday um, practice session with the Renault team um, at, at Hungary, the last event. And you know, I mean, he's not coming from a very great base. I mean, he spent last season or most of it in the HRT, which really could have been beaten by any car on the GP2 grid for most of the year. So he's going to get his first full weekend. Um, certainly a charismatic name. Um, pretty impressive young man. Is he his uncle? Big call. I mean, I know Ed Senna once said that if you think I'm good, wait till you see my nephew. <laughs> so no pressure. Um, but it'll be a good chance for a young Bruno Senna to... Um, make his mark. The Renault is reasonably competitive. I don't think that they're at the pointy end of the field. And we'll see, I think it's tomorrow or Friday will be announced what Renault's doing for the rest of the year. I think I think it's pretty much that Heitfeld's gone because he's been very disappointing. I mean, yes, he's slightly outscored Vitaly Petrov, but you know, that's not the measure. Um, they were looking for someone to come in to replace um, Robert Kubica, and that clearly hasn't happened. So Senna... Uh, may be set for the rest of the season, or as you suggested, they may um, give uh, Grosjean a run, which um, would be interesting because you know it'll be the second time round for Grosjean. Um, made a meal of it the last time round. He's hot in GP2. Does that mean he'll be hot in Formula One? Mm, not so sure about that. So interesting things happening, but hopefully Bruno Senna has the ability and that uh, he can establish himself well enough to get a full-time driving formula because I, I think it'd be good for the sport. I think so too, folks. And on that note, I think it's time that we move on to uh, the next part of the show, which is... And now, finally, it's Tech Time! <laughs> issues going on today Steve dead well he's not dead but according to the media he's dead 
He's resigned from being CEO. And I mean, hello, he was just sitting down for ages. I mean, it's just totally crazy. Let's get it right for the viewers. Steve Jobs is all good. Don't sell your Apple shares. He's still going to be a director. He's still chairman. chairman of the board of directors. He will still be there driving the passion. He's just not going to be the chief executive officer. And let me tell you, having been one twice before, three times in fact, I don't want to do it. Well, he hasn't been, act, you know, effectively hasn't been chief executive officer for several months anyway, uh, more than that. So it is an end of, the end of an era though, I mean. Oh, that's, hang on, there's, there's messages coming in. No, no, you're right. No, you, that's it. <laughs> you know, twice he's run the company and been the visionary force behind it. Um, quite remarkable that you get thrown out of your own company and then get brought back later on and um, has built Apple to the, you know, juggernaut that it is today. It's, well, it's... Um, I believe it's now officially the most, uh, well, in simple terms, the richest company in the world, the most heavily uh, capitalised company uh, in not, the world. Not, uh, but as a result of the announcement this morning, American time, when the uh, where, where the stock trading was uh, halted for 45 minutes, the, <laughs> the value did actually dip down under ExxonMobil, but it, it okay, turned... So. Yeah, still, I mean, it's, it's remarkable that... So that, it's an insider trading if you knew a bit about that. And therefore you should... It's remarkable that a tech company is right up there with, you know, an oil company which can't help but make money these days. Windfall profit because of the price of gas, etc. Uh, folks, had you paid attention to previous episodes, but you were away uh, having relatively other important issues going on, you would have uh, realised that whilst the market capitalisation is similar, the share value is vastly different. The share value of uh, Exxon Mobil uh, owners are maybe um, one thirtieth of the value of Apple, which it shows you that there simply aren't as many shareholders. Mm -hmm. uh, so the diversification there um, is uh, is substantially different. However. They are, um, you know, replete with all sorts of difficult infrastructure issues and, and could easily have been fallen the, the wayside of Shell in the Mexican Gulf mm. or the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, when you, say, when you hear things BP. like... When BP. You, Who are we talking about? Oh, no, so, or quite true. BP. 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 Yeah, but who are we talking about now? You were talking about Apple or Exxon? I was trying to give you a frame of reference yes. on shareholder value with with respect to the number of shares actually distributed. Right. So uh, there are about uh, 35 times as many shareholders um, of ExxonMobil than there are of Apple. Yes. And I might have made that, uh, you know, a little bit vague. Very good. Anyway, 
moving right along, the question now is how is Apple going to continue in the future without their visionary force? Well, they... they, 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 they create the conceptual genius behind all these... Only, only, in a much be, only in a much better way because now that Steve has bothered to go and say, okay, I relinquish my perhaps egotistical position of chief executive, I am like uh, Bill Gates had done to take a secondary role to be able to provide strategic creative directions. And look what's happened to Microsoft. Yeah, but like they've never been a good, they've never been any good. But the, I think that's what Steve wants to do. Keep his hand on the tiller of strategic stuff. Of course, it's not like they're going to go, okay, sorry, um, could you have your card, could you hand your card and we're going to have to change your security? Of course, he's, he's going to be much more, I think you're going to see a much more relaxed and chilled Steve. I think you're going to see Steve who's going to be drinking more interesting variants of tea. Yeah, but he won't be so vitally involved and, and he won't be, you know, imposing his will on the, on the product design and the very, you know, specific uh, requirements that he had, which was, you know, the simplicity of his ideas of everything, but particularly iPhone and iPad, has been that, you know, forget what the geeks and the techs want, Let's give what normal people want. Let him have a re let him have a relax. One year hence, you will find that Steve will be well, coming back, and he will be um, much, a much uh, much happier fellow. And um, not that he's unhappy now, um, and just just but just more relaxed. So what um, what's the latest on an iPhone four S or five or whatever it's going to be called? News. Funny you should say that. Uh, nothing. I have no news for you. I hear October. Yes, yes. There has been a new uh, launch of the uh, operating system, uh, 10.7.1, uh, to patch a few problems with Lion and some iMac updates for their video systems and some Safari updates. And, and when you see that, you see these tiny little incremental updates of all the little components, you know, mm. the image editing, this and that, all being done simultaneously, or a day here and a day less. You know that it is imminent that a major release of an operating system is due, but in terms of hardware, well, um, we, we don't know. Personally, if they were to bring a iPhone 4S, Variant like a you know turbo version as they say, I I would be going I'd be grabbing that because it would be the best incarnation of the iPhone. All the design flaws removed, no problems with antennas, and uh, perfectly tuned to run the new latest operating system. Because well, iOS five is on the way, isn't it? Yeah, sure. iOS five is there, but we already saw, as discussed in a previous show, that you are unable to be available to due to uh, relative issues, and, and I wouldn't want to be going on about that. But um, there you are. Uh, that I that 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 really what you what what you're seeing here is 
um, uh, a more cautious approach to delivering an operating system to existing hardware. Um, other than that, all looking good. I've just. What's happening, folks? Well, I was just going to say, it, I've. Uh, is it I've the new iPhone? Now. It's the iPhone 5 being delivered at your place. No, I've just downloaded Mac OS 10 Lion. Oh, you have? I have. How's it going? I, well, I, have, I haven't um, installed it yet. What third-party applications have you got running on that machine? Look, we're 10, we're 10 minutes 15, folks. One hour 15. I mean, look, we're getting into the danger zone. We're going to have to let you go. It's a new world record. <laughs> the longest radio hot lap ever, ladies and gentlemen. Are you awake, viewers? Are you? I can see you snoring. Come on, wake up. This is the time where, folks, we say it's been great talking to you and having you on the show. And boy, have you relished the opportunity to do to place the to place the JPenis on his JPenis. I don't want to say that again <laughs> on his birthday. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with me. Very bad mental image there. Yeah, dear me, how weird is that? Well, yeah, but no, we no, not much tech, no gadgets. Can't see a barbecue. Really? It's only fair. We need JP back. It's got to be, you know, the three musketeers. That's when it works. That's it. It's not just you. It's not about you. It's not about JP. It's all about me. Oh, sorry. It's not about me. It's about us. Would you like to say a final cheerio to the viewers? Come on, make it snappy. Not forever. But you... A temporary farewell to the viewers. But you have... Because... <laughs> You've just been listening to this episode 191 of Radio Hot Lab. Ciao for now. <laughs> it's been real. It's been fun. It just hasn't been real fun. Yeah. Ciao for now. Oh, <laughs>